0: Welcome to Want to Grow on, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name is Hallie Casey, and I studied and currently work in agriculture.
1: And I'm Chris Casey, Hallie's dad. Each episode, we pick an area of agriculture or food production to discuss. And this week, we are finally talking about how plants use water.
0: You have been asking me this question for a little while.
1: It's true. And we did like what, you know, 10 episodes on water or two or four or something. I don't two, know. Two. We did two. two. Okay. And and we did not answer this question. And now we can answer this question. And I assume, you know, I've heard of, of xylem and phloem, which are the things in cool. the trees. And, you know, water goes up, water comes down. Never a miscommunication. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about mostly four different roles that water plays in plants and how they work. This is not uh, completely everything that goes on in a plant that involves water because plants are mostly water. So there is a lot that goes on, but these are like the four ones.
1: Are they mostly water the same way that we are mostly water?
0: The same way that most things are mostly water, yeah.
1: Most of the planet is mostly water. Yeah. Okay,
0: so the first one we're going to be talking about is structure. Dad, do you know what makes plants stand up?
1: Presumably cell walls that you know fiber that our doctors keep telling us to eat,
0: right, so humans have bones. bones is what makes us you know be able to stand up and things like that. But plants do not have bones
1: that would be super creepy if there were a plant <laughs> with bones super creepy, so, yes.
0: For some plants, uh, it is cell walls. For some plants, it's not cell walls. Do you know which plants it's not cell walls for?
1: Bananas? No, No, bananas would have to be. Would have to be cell walls. Uh, Yes. I don't know. What? What? What do you even mean? What are you asking me? Like plants that stand up, but not because of their cell walls.
0: So. We've talked about this a little bit in the past. So we there are different ways we categorize plants, right? One of the ways is between woody plants and herbaceous plants.
1: Got it. So are you going to tell me that the woody plants is not their cell walls, but I would argue that woody tissue is still some sort of cell wall? I don't know.
0: So the main thing that keeps woody plants standing up is something called lignin. Oh,
1: lignin. I forgot about lignin. Yeah. Your old
0: friend lignin. That's
1: right. For the listener who hasn't listened to an episode where we have defined lignin, lignin is... Oh, me? Yeah, you.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to give the definition of lignin. I wish. Uh, Lignin is basically like if you look at branches, um, trunks, it's what makes sticks sticky. Um, It's kind of those crunchier little cells um, and it it gives those trees structure it's what builds out woody material whereas when you look at something like a banana or like a sunflower is a really good example of this they typically don't have a lot of that woody tissue and so the thing that is keeping them stood up is water
1: so it's like that old joke what's brown and sticky a A, a lignin-blazed plant structure
0: a stick with lignin (laughs) So we said cell walls, right? And I just mentioned water. What do you know about plant cells?
1: Um, I know they are cells.
0: Mm, yeah. Yep. True.
1: I guess, you know, on the ones on the outside, made, they, it's called cellulose. I don't know why it's called cellulose. I don't know what cellulose mm-hmm. is. Um, I don't know. I got nothing else.
0: Do you know what the largest part of a plant cell is? No. The largest part of a plant cell is what's called the vacuole.
1: Okay, that's a word that I was probably on some worksheet in ninth grade biology.
0: <laughs> so the vacuole is basically the goo of it all. So within a plant cell, you've got right a mitochondria or two. You have some chloroplasts. You have lots of different things in there. All of that is sitting within the goo of it all, which is the vacuole. So we can kind of think about plant cells like a balloon um, or I guess more accurately like a water balloon. But it's easier for us to think about it as an air-filled balloon because those are the ones we really see like stretched out. So an air-filled balloon um, a water-filled plant cell is usually pretty like tight if it's filled all the way up. Those those walls are really sturdy. They're they're you know it has a lot of structure to it. It's not caving in if you put pressure on it. It's able to kind of keep its shape. That's similar to how a cell wall works in a plant. If you have a full vacuole. So that's why, uh, that's what's called turgor pressure is that pressure within a cell that's kind of blowing up those cells. So it pushes those cell walls out and it lets the plant stand up, which is why if a plant isn't watered enough, it loses that turgor pressure and those cell walls start to collapse in on each other. And then that's when we start to see wilting is because those cells aren't able to fill up the balloons with all that water.
1: I almost feel like saying the vacuole is the largest part of the cell, It's like saying the biggest part is the part that's not there. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. (laughs) Except that it's it's goo that requires water to be present.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So one of the really nice things about this for plants is that water is not a solid, right? So it lets plants be a lot more flexible. Of course, like trees are not as flexible as little bitty flowers on the ground or grasses or things like that. But having their structure being made up of water lets them be a lot more flexible, you know, for the wind and stuff. If wind comes along, it can blow about in the in the wind and it's not going to be breaking because it has a lot more flexibility, which is great. Okay, so that's that's the number one thing that plants use water for. That's like the thing that a lot of the water is most of the water in plants is within the vacuole. Um, Another thing. That plants use water for is thermal regulation.
1: Okay. Staying not too hot, not too cold, but just right.
0: Mostly not too hot. Uh, water's not going to keep you super warm, generally speaking.
1: Fair enough. So staying cool in the summer.
0: Yeah. Staying cool in the summer. So this is very important for plants. The, the plant type term that this is actually called is transpiration. So transpiration is kind of you know, the thing that keeps plants cool, it's them losing that water off of their leaves. And so it's like when we sweat, when you lose that water, the, you know, energy it takes to have that water evaporate pulls heat energy off of the plant.
1: Right. Heat of evaporation. Good stuff.
0: Right. Exactly. So this happens through the xylem, which you mentioned earlier.
1: Okay. And what is that?
0: Okay. How much do you know about the xylem?
1: I know it's not the phloem. Is that it? That's it. I, I think. Okay. I think one goes up, one goes down. I think.
0: Okay, that is very helpful. Um, the xylem goes up. Okay. So the xylem is different from the phloem in that the xylem is made up of dead cells. So there is no, there's no actual energy. There's no living uh, cells that that hold the water in the xylem. There's no Energy to move the water. It's just dead cells, and it's what's called passive transport.
1: Kind of like hair for the plant.
0: Like hair?
1: Like hair. Hair is dead cells. Fingernails are dead cells. No, plants have like little fingernails type stuff. It's right, like cells. how we
0: lose our water through our hair.
1: I mean, maybe it doesn't work quite the same way in animals. As like it how our plants. hair is
0: little tubes. Our, our <laughs> hair is little <laughs> tubes of water.
1: <laughs> sure, sure.
0: So the transpiration is... Sorry, I keep thinking about tubes of hair water.
1: Okay. Just to be clear, plants don't have hair. But the thing that they do have, called xylem, is dead cells that transports water from the inside of the plant to the outside of the plant.
0: So you did just say plants don't have hair. But in this section, we are actually talking about two different types of hair that plants have. So let's dig into that. Yes. (laughs) So in the soil... You have roots, right? And on the main parts of the roots, you have little root hairs. Um, Root hairs are really, really small. Oftentimes they're microscopic. uh, But they have a lot more surface area than like the root itself. So most of the intake and output from the root system is actually happening on those root hairs. Got it. So the way that plants take up water, because again, there's no energy expended to take up water, is just a concentration gradient, which means that the water potential is lower inside of the root hairs than outside in the saturated soil. So if you think about like a sponge, if you put like, if there's a puddle of water on the countertop, right, and you have a dry sponge and you put that dry sponge just the teensiest bit in contact with that, that water is going to slowly move into the sponge, right? Yeah, okay. And that's because of a concentration gradient. The water wants to be where water is not.
1: Yep. And it's exactly the same way in the root of the plant, you're saying?
0: Uh, well, I'm saying in the inside of the root hair, there is going to be a lower... Water potential than outside, right? So if if the soil, if you've just watered, the soil is fully saturated. There's a lot of water out in the soil itself. That water is going to move to where water is not, which is inside of the root hair.
1: Right. So the the root hair functions the same way a sponge functions, basically.
0: Right. Yeah. Got it. In, in this case, yes. Okay. So water molecules, H2O, are cohesive, right?
1: Yes. They adhere so, to each other.
0: They adhere to each other because they have those little hydrogen bonds. Right. That's why if you like fill a cup up too much, you have like a little bubble above the rim of the cup.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: Or like it's the same reason why you get droplets of water is because those little molecules of water want to stick to each other. They have this cohesion property.
1: They're like tiny magnets for each other.
0: Right. They're they're like tiny little magnets. They love to stick together. It's
1: why little bugs can skate across ponds.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's the exact same reason. So this is kinda wild. So prepare yourself. The way that transpiration works in a plant is you have the xylem, right? It's these dead cells. It's basically like a straw inside the plant. It goes all the way up to the leaves. The sun is shining, or the, the wind is blowing, and it pulls off a water molecule from the leaf, right? Okay. But those, every single water molecule within the plant is stuck together. They have those cohesive properties. So as one water molecule gets pulled off of the leaf, it's pulling one more up through the roots and into the stem. It's like one big, you know, chain of, like, links, and it's just slowly moving up through the plant.
1: That makes sense. This is, sounds similar, not exactly the same, but similar to like when you have a cup of water and you re- you're in a restaurant and you really want to annoy your parents. So you put the straw in the water and then you blow across the top of the straw and the water comes up the straw and out where you're blowing. This sounds like a similar principle, only you, you know you're not using wind to do it. It's just um, the pressure gradient is created by the fact that the water is exiting from the leaf and pulling up more.
0: Right. And you are like this does happen because of wind sometimes. So the reasons why plants lose water are, you know, different reasons. It could just be there's a really low humidity outside and so it's being pulled out. Um, There could be a high temperature. Sunshine could be, you know, evaporating the water or like wind is something that can pull water out of a leaf. And there are different properties to a leaf to make it more or less likely that water will come out of the leaf. So, like, if they have a waxy cuticle, if they have more or fewer stomata, which are, like, little pores, which is what the water actually comes out of, um, or how open those pores are, they can be more or less open.
1: I'm sorry. Um, You said waxy cuticle. And now all I can think of is a plant, like, sitting in a chair, getting a pedicure. Uh, you know, getting the files down, talking the gossip, and all that kind of
0: stuff. <laughs> yeah, ex- that's exactly what I mean. What no, is the cuticle, cuticle on a plant? It's it's something like if you think of like the difference between a basil leaf versus like a holly leaf. So a holly leaf has a really waxy cuticle. Okay. Because they're they they kind of have that waxiness to them. They're really thick. Um, basically, it just means that on top of the leaf skin there is a really, like, thick layer of wax that's protecting those pores from having water pulled out of them. Got it. Another good example is, like, succulents. Um, like, if you have, like, a jade plant or something in your house, then those have pretty waxy cuticles usually. Okay. But another difference could be, like, the leaf size or the leaf shape, whether or not the leaf is folded inward. So, like, if you look at, you know, desert plants, then usually they have really, really small leaves because they're less likely to be losing water through those. And then another factor is actually the pubescence on the leaf. How much pubescence there is, which is like little bitty leaf hairs.
1: Okay. This is something that makes middle schoolers laugh hysterically, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's why we don't teach plant anatomy to middle schoolers. Maybe so. But yeah, we were talking about hairs earlier. This is another way that plants have hairs. They have root hairs and they have leaf hairs. And I had leaf no hairs idea. They're called pubescence. Yep.
1: And these are a way for... Plants to release water?
0: These are basically ways for plants to not release water. To not so, release like, water. Yeah. So if you're you know, an understory plant and you might not be getting a lot of water, maybe you're a small little bush and you're sitting next to a big tree, you might develop a lot of pubescence so that you can hold on to as much water as possible. Or if you're out in the middle of a prairie and it's really sunny and there's not a lot of water to go around because you're surrounded by all these hungry grasses then maybe you develop really small leaves so that you're not losing water, um, you know, whenever, willy-nilly, so that you're able to survive. Or, you know, like we have live oaks here in Texas, and we have really unpredictable rainstorms. So we have, you know, a drier season and a wetter season usually, and our live oaks have these pretty waxy leaves, so they're not losing water throughout that dry season.
1: So a plant on a prairie is wetter when it's hairy.
0: Great work, Dad. Absolutely great work.
1: Thank you. I mean, it's basically like an animal in the cold is hairier and they don't lose as much heat. A plant in the shade is, you know, has these pubescence and doesn't lose as much water.
0: Right, and we we have been talking about this from the beginning as a way to regulate, um, you know, temperature as well.
1: Got it. Yes,
0: all accurate.
1: All right. Well, I think about these poor little plants when they do lose too much water part of what they need other than more water is a break Here we go Welcome to the break
0: Hello I would like to talk to you about the census
1: The census Why do you want to talk to people about the census? I mean, really?
0: Well, if you live in the U.S. once every 10 years, we do this big count of everyone living in the U.S. And it's extremely important for things like representative apportionment, which is how we decide what your political power as an area, a region looks like, or things like funding your schools and hospitals. The deadline to fill out the census is September 30th, 2020. It takes like two and a half minutes. It's not a very long process. And it's extremely, extremely important. You don't have to be a US citizen. All you have to be is living in the US. Um, You don't have to be a voting age. You don't have to be anything like that. You should just be filling it out for your household. You can go to census2020.gov to fill out the census. It will not take you very long.
1: You know who I bet has filled out the census? Who's that? Our patrons, especially our Starfruit patrons, Vikram, Lindsay, Mama Casey, Patrick, and Cheyenne.
0: And Cheyenne! And
1: Cheyenne. Thank you so much, patrons. We can't do this without you.
0: All of our patrons, including and especially our Starfruit patrons, are absolutely amazing and we are so, so grateful for y'all.
1: And you're all counted...
0: In the census of our heart.
1: That's right. (laughs) Back to the episode...
0: Back to the episode. So we talked about thermal regulation. We talked about structure. Now let's talk about the use of water as a solvent. Okay. Plants use water as a solvent inside of the phloem.
1: All right. And phloem is down.
0: Phloem is not the xylem. Okay. So it is, in fact, both up and down.
1: Oh, all right. So xylem goes from the root to the leaf.
0: Right, there's not another way it can go because okay. it's not it's passive transport.
1: All right, but phloem.
0: Phloem is active cells. So there is actual energy that is expended because it is moving against a concentration gradient. Okay. So the phloem moves things like glucose, amino acids, some nutrients the xylem also moves some nutrients but it does not move all of the nutrients and the main thing that the the phloem is moving is these you know sugars and proteins
1: wouldn't have known that plants need proteins but okay
0: where did you think the proteins in the plants come from we eat plants and they have protein
1: that's true i never really thought about it i thought maybe they could just you know build proteins but to me, if you they need can. proteins, it's because you have muscles you got to build because you're working out. Yes, you're getting <laughs> jacked. I've never seen a rose with a six pack.
0: <laughs> so plants uh, do build proteins. They don't like eat other plants that have proteins in them. They just build them themselves. But usually they're they're building them and then they have to go around to all the different cells, right? Because one of the main things that we use proteins for is things like. DNA synthesizing.
1: Oh, that's important.
0: Yeah. There are lots of important you know, amino acids out there. Um, lots of important sugars as well. But every single cell has to have sugars and amino acids. Okay. So you have these little cells. They're alive. They have to expend... Little ATPs, little energies um, as they're moving these proteins and sugars around the plant um, because oftentimes they're going against a concentration gradient. And it's when we're thinking about like a straw for the xylem, the phloem is more like kind of a well. So like pulling something up with the well, you're kind of moving energy to get a resource out of somewhere and into somewhere else.
1: So xylem is like a straw. Ploem is like a well, or like something with an active pump. Right. Got it. Okay.
0: So that's the third one. The fourth one is biochemical reactions.
1: Chemical reactions are great.
0: Yeah, you're a fan?
1: I'm a fan. Good old chemistry.
0: Cool. Do you know the reaction for photosynthesis? Don't look at the notes.
1: I don't, but I think it's like glucose and light makes carbon dioxide and water. Or something like that?
0: Well, close but no. So if we think about how plants function, it's actually carbon dioxide and water plus light makes glucose and oxygen. So when we think about like what plants are creating and giving off, the end product is that glucose, right, that they're able to store and utilize. um, And then the oxygen is coming off of the plant. So we're starting with the carbon dioxide. That's what the plants are taking in. And they're also, of course, taking the water in from the roots. And then once you have energy from light, then they're able to convert that into glucose and oxygen.
1: So it's weird to me that it's synthesizing sugar from carbon dioxide and water. Because I don't, I mean, I never studied biochemical reactions, I guess, but I don't think of carbon dioxide and water as reactive, but I guess this is how um, we talk about plants taking carbon dioxide out of the air. Mm-hmm. I guess this is reaction where they do it, and they, and they make sugar for us to eat and for them to use, and oxygen for us to breathe, which is very nice of them. Thank you, plants.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's how it works. Of course, that's not just how it works, and I don't have time to go all the way into all the intricacies of the photochemical reactions that are happening throughout photosynthesis. Sure. But I did want to like talk about one example of where water comes into play. Because, you know, like you said, it's you don't just like take a carbon dioxide molecule and a water molecule and you stick them together and you make sugar. Right. There are a lot more biochemical reactions that have to go into it. I will link in the show notes an incredible comic. That is made by a guy called Jay Holzler, who's a great science communicator. And I was actually shown this comic when I was first learning about photosynthesis when I was in grad school and like really trying to understand every single step of photosynthesis. This comic is like a little ant and a little bee and they jump inside of the plant and they walk you through photosynthesis in the most engaging way.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: It's great. We're going to link in the show notes. I very strongly recommend anyone who's interested to go check it out.
1: Why haven't we written something like this? Gosh.
0: (laughs) So in order to create the sugar and the oxygen, right, you have to have water to be present. Um, So the xylem and the phloem are moving that water up and down the plant. Um, How is the water actually used in the reaction of photosynthesis. Here's one example. So inside of the plant, there are plant cells. Inside of a plant cell, there are these things called chloroplasts. Inside of chloroplasts, there are these little things that look like a stack of pancakes.
1: I like pancakes. And they're called
0: cycloids.
1: Okay. That's a word I've never heard before.
0: Yeah. The cycloid is actually the thing that absorbs light during the photosynthetic reaction.
1: Yeah. It's like a little plant solar cell. Yeah.
0: Kind of like that. The part that actually grabs the light energy are what are called photosystems, which are inside of a single cycloid. So they're basically clusters of chlorophyll molecules along the cycloid membrane. Okay. So... There are two photosystems. There's photosystem one and photosystem two. So I'm going to talk just about photosystem two. Oh,
1: you're going to make photosystem one feel all left out.
0: Listen, there's a lot of steps to photosynthesis. It's extremely complex. I'm amazed that plants do it every single second of the sunshiny day. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing process. I cannot possibly walk through every single part of it because I do not understand it. It is so complex. It is so beautiful. It is so amazing. And yet we eat them. I know. We eat them. We eat them after they've made these beautiful sugars. I have this amazing, miraculous process.
1: Thank you, plants.
0: So Photosystem 2. What Photosystem 2 does is it chomps a water molecule into two hydrogens and an oxygen and an electron. Okay. So the oxygen just jumps off and it gets given off as a waste product. It's left the picture. Inside of the cycloid pancake, one of the cycloids is called a lumen. Inside of that lumen, it's it's kind of like the vacuole, if you think of like, the, it's the inside part. Inside of that lumen, it's chock full of hydrogens, which creates what's called a proton gradient.
1: Ah, that's a word I've heard before.
0: Yeah, what's that?
1: Uh, it's a proton gradient.
0: Correct, it's yes.
1: A, I did take a semester of biochemistry It's something I remember us talking about and, you know, uh, an area of, you know, areas of differing charge, basically.
0: Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. There are several different, you know, ways that plants use proton gradients. Here is an example of a proton gradient. But one of the things that they do with all these hydrogens, they have a bunch of them chalk a block in the lumen, So one of the things that they do is once you have 14 of these hydrogens to rub together, there's an ATP synthase guy who's able to go in there, gets 14 hydrogens together, builds an ATP. Wow. An ATP is adenosine triphosphate, and it's kind of known as what, what a lot of people refer to as molecular unit of currency. So it's basically what plants use whenever they need to expend energy. So like ATP is what's used in... The phloem, when they're trying to move nutrients, glucose, amino acids, all up and down, they have to use those ATPs to get that movement.
1: And these little energy cell guys build the ATPs from the photosynthesis?
0: Yeah. So here's one example, right? So you need ATP in order to eventually build a glucose. Right. So the photosystem two has a water molecule, chomps it in half, gives off the oxygen as just a waste product, goes off, gets hooked up with another O2, goes out into the atmosphere, we breathe it in, that's great. But eventually you get 14 of those hydrogens, right? You've got one oxygen, two hydrogens, so you go through that a couple, you know, seven times or whatever. You get 14 hydrogens, and then you get an ATP. So that's one example of one of the many steps in photosynthesis. It's not comprehensive. Water's used a lot of, of other places in photosynthesis, but there's one example. Nice. Yep.
1: It's the miracle of life.
0: The miracle of photosynthetic life. The miracle of it. It's amazing. I love plants. Sounds pretty
1: amazing. I think we'll need to talk about photosynthesis more in another episode.
0: We can do that. Do you want to do a little summary?
1: No. I mean, that was a lot. Plants need water to stay cool and to move nutrients and to make energy and oxygen for us to breathe. So everyone make sure the plants get water.
0: Yep. Water your plants, friends.
1: Water your plants, friends, and water your plant friends. Plants are friends and food. Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On.
0: This show is made by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free.
1: If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at One to Grow On Pod. Or join our Discord and Facebook communities and leaf us your thoughts on this episode.
0: You can find all of our episodes and transcripts as well as information about the team and the show on our website one to grow on
1: Help us take root and grow organically by recommending the show to your friends, or consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash one to grow on pod. There, you can get access to audio extras, fascinating follow-ups, exclusive bonus content, and boxes of our favorite goodies.
0: If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Sharing is the best way to help us reach more ears.
1: Be sure to see what's sprouting in two weeks.
0: But until then, keep on growing.